It really is time to uplevel women's health care. So join the natal naturopath in disrupting the mainstream medical paradigm through real chats and expert talks. We want to empower women in their health to help educate you so you aren't left dismissed and confused about your body. We know a lot about women's bodies and we've got you. Join me, Melanie, weekly on this podcast for practical health tips, naturopathic insight, unlearning of outdated medical advice, motherhood musings, along with longer episodes with health leaders in their own fields. And welcome to the second episode of my podcast. Now, today I'm going to be talking about my top four non-negotiables in our house. And they are in no particular order. Now, this is definitely not to make anyone feel bad or if they are doing these things in the house, not to attach any guilt to that. It's just that these are some things that I've researched really heavily and over time I've implemented them just bit by bit into the house. So you definitely don't need to do all in one. However, I do think that over time, if you're able to try to implement these, it's going to make for a much, much healthier home. So number one is having a good quality water filter. So the two that I suggest, because I've done a lot of research behind them, is Southern Cross Pottery with their fluoride filter added in or Waters Co. The reason why I think a water filter is such a non-negotiable is because of the quality of tap water. So if I start with just a few chemicals and heavy metals that are found within tap water, we've got aluminium, lead, cadmium, and fluoride. So fluoride does get a lot of attention around dental health. Um, So everything I'm going to say, you know, is, is what I've personally found. And I, for my kids and myself, would rather go without fluoride than with fluoride, weighing up all of the research. So extremely high levels of fluoride have been shown to actually cause neurotoxicity in adults. And in a really big meta-analysis, researchers from Harvard School of Public Health for the first time ever actually combined 27 big studies done throughout the world. And their findings was that there is a strong indication that fluoride may adversely affect cognitive development in children. So based on these findings, the authors said that this risk should not be ignored and that more research on fluoride's impact on the developing brain is warranted. Now, as a part of this meta-analysis, Professor of Environmental Health Grand Jean states, fluoride seems to fit in with lead, mercury and other poisons that cause chemical brain drain. The effect of each toxicant may seem small, but the combined damage on a population scale can be serious especially because the brain power of the next generation is crucial, crucial to all of us. So that's pretty eye-opening to me that fluoride is added to tap water, yet studies are now showing fluoride may adversely affect cognitive development and brain health. So, you know, wow, I don't want that in my water. Then, you know, if we look at before there was thyroid medication, Fluoride was actually given to adults in tablet form with overactive thyroids to slow the thyroid down. So imagine that we've got people drinking tap water and they've got sluggish thyroids. They have Hashimoto's disease. Their thyroid is already running slower than we want. 
So drinking fluoride daily, it could just be one of those things that's contributing to an even slower thyroid, given that it used to be a medication used to slow thyroids down. And interestingly, I found in some research that children in high fluoride areas, meaning areas that have fluoride in the tap water, have significantly lower IQ scores than those who lived in low fluoride areas. Anyway, I'll leave that one with you. Research water filters. I find them to be so worth their worth the cost. You know, it's an investment, but um, the difference, you can taste the difference as well. Number two, eating organically where possible. Now, this is an effort to reduce pesticide and herbicide exposure. So when we look at what herbicides and pesticides are being used on all of our food, like fruit, vegetables, I just don't personally think there is enough information out there about what they could do long term to our health. So I would much rather be eating organically because I just don't trust pesticides. I don't know what they're doing to us. Um, so there's been doctor, a doctoral student at the University of California. Her name's Carly Highland, wrote a big sort of research paper around this. And she said, to date, we just don't have enough information about pesticides currently being used. And there have not been enough large scale studies. So organic diets will reduce your pesticide exposure. Examples of some chronic effects of long-term pesticide exposure are linked to cancers, birth defects, reproductive harm, immunotoxicity, neurological and developmental toxicity, and disruption of the endocrine system. And now some people are more vulnerable than others to pesticide impacts, but we just don't know who it would be more vulnerable than others. So this this is why I eat organic. Now, if you can't afford to make the full switch to organic food, I do suggest to research the Dirty Dozen and at least do not eat those conventionally and make sure that those are eaten organically instead because the Dirty Dozen is a list of foods that have the highest pesticide exposure or the highest pesticide amount within the fruit or vegetables. So it's sort of still in the fruit or vegetable. Whereas the clean 15 is a list where the least amount of pesticides have been found. So potentially those with thicker skins will sort of have the pesticide not getting absorbed through the skin. So thin skin fruits like raspberries and blueberries are very, very vulnerable to pesticides within the fruit itself. Number three is cutting out perfumes and nail polish. I find the research around the chemicals in perfume and nail polish to be super alarming and they are so toxic. They really could have serious reproductive consequences. Now, my eyes were very much opened when I read a book called It Starts With The Egg. She, the doctor who wrote that book, breaks down the research really brilliantly around each chemical found within perfume and nail polish and what the potential sort of risks could be to your health. But to know that most IVF clinics won't allow their workers to enter the embryo areas with any perfume on, I think that said it all to me. The biggest concern within perfume and nail polish would be phthalates, believed to be an endocrine disrupting chemical that can alter hormonal balances and potentially cause reproductive and developmental health issues. 
There's been strong links to phthalates with reproductive and genital defects, lower sperm count, disrupted hormones and infertility. And that was found by the National Research Council in a 2008 risk assessment report. Exposure to these chemicals can also increase the risk of miscarriage, according to two recent Harvard studies. Now, in infants and children, phthalate exposure has been linked to allergies, premature puberty, eczema, asthma, lowered IQ, ADHD. And then a 2010 study showed associated prenatal phthalate exposure can actually be linked to social impairment later in life. Researchers in Korea last year as well found through a a review of existing studies that there is a significant association between chemicals in perfume and nail polish and neurodevelopmental effects in children. So this Harvard research team that I mentioned before, they found certain phthalates are linked to sperm DNA damage among men And they really could also induce adverse effects to thyroid, liver, kidneys, and immune system. So, you know, there's some phthalates like DEHP, and that is one of the most widely used phthalates. It's actually listed as a probable carcinogen by the EPA. So please clean up your cabinets. I really would toss out perfume and nail polish if you're going to start cleaning up your home, especially if you have little ones around or you're trying to conceive. I just don't think it's worth wearing them. There are low-tox ones, so just do your research, but I'm sure there are great low-tox ones that do exist out there. Number four is using low-toxin cleaning products. So this really does lead on from the perfume and nail polish because, like I mentioned, chemicals are linked to certain health outcomes. So things to be mindful of are chemicals found in laundry powder, dishwashing liquid, cleaning sprays, toilet cleaner. You know, the, the chemicals found in cleaning supplies and household products They can irritate your eyes and throat. They can cause headaches. They have even been linked to some cancers because some of these products release dangerous chemicals, including volatile organic compounds. And there are other harmful ingredients like ammonia and bleach and things like that. So with my little girls around, I just don't want to risk using chemicals around them. There's an amazing app called Chemical Maze. Now you can plug in the ingredient that you are querying and it'll t- it'll show you the risks, the danger level, what some known side effects are from using that chemical. And I found that pretty eye-opening. So a lot of cleaning products, they don't even list their ingredients. Like how worrying. If I don't know what you're using, how can I accurately say whether I'm happy, you know, I'm sa- I feel safe using that? And there are also products at Woolworths and Coles that do greenwash. So that is really when we're looking at a product that on the face value, on their label, it looks really clean and low tox. And then you do investigate a little bit further and they use things like fragrances and just little chemicals and um, and ingredients that are a bit iffy. And I would really, I would really do the research around those. So for, for one, I actually just make my own hand soap. So hand soap is so easy to make. You just get Castile soap and then you mix cooled boiled water with it. So, you know, you can get those amber glass foaming hand dispensers. 
I fill up a quarter with Castile soap and then the rest with cooled boiled water. And that is what we use for hand soap and body wash. So I don't buy soap anymore at all. I don't buy hand soap. I don't buy body soap. That's what we all use. And then there are certain laundry powders that are really low tox. You can make your own. I use cloth nappies though, and I didn't find any homemade laundry powders to to cut it with the urine smell on the cloth nappies. So I use Be Clean Co baby washing powder and they're fantastic. And I love, I love the ingredients in that. And I find it works really, really well. But anyway, that is my quick episode today with my top four non-negotiables for our home. Now, if you did like this episode, please give it a five-star rating and share my podcast with any friends that you think would find it valuable because I just want to be able to get into more women's ears to help them with their health. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week.